1: Cranberry Radio presents CEO Coach, a show custom built to give you everything you need to build your business on the web. From funding the finances, set up to staffing, our CEO coaches will break down the art of business development from the ground up. Now here to get you started are the experts of online business startup management and development, the founders of Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy.
2: Welcome to CEO Coach. This is Ian Kennedy, and I'm here with Jillian Music, co founder of Moz and my business partner and very good friend in Outlines Venture Group. Hi, Jillian. Hi, Anne. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing okay. I got to keep reminding you, though, it's noon, we're over the morning. Right. Yeah.
3: Absolutely. You can catch us
2: at noontime on Pacific Time. Yes. On Monday. It's still Mondays. It's a great way to start the week. And here we are. So, Jillian, you have been doing a lot of pounding the boards fundraising for some of our portfolio companies, yes. haven't you?
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's a baton march. <laughs> oh, yes. come on. A lot of bodies <laughs> along the way. <laughs> um, I tell people that that's what I'm up to and I get groans and responses. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. Oh, heavens. Well, call me when it's over. Things like that. It's a hard road
2: to go. Yes. But it's essential because yes. companies need funding. Absolutely. So. I've been looking a lot lately at the work of Elizabeth Yin, a brilliant young woman. She's a partner at 500 Startups. But before that, before she joined McClure and company, she was herself an entrepreneur with a successful acquisition. So she does a weekly blog that I get delivered by email of secrets and tips for fundraising. And she describes this, I love this, as a nebulous process and her purpose is to make it more transparent. She says, I aim to make it more transparent. So I thought it might be fun um, and instructive to go through a few of the things she's been talking about lately. And I am sure that you will recognize some of this in your experience and you'll be able to actually uh, discourse even more on the topic she brings up. What do you think?
3: Sounds good to me. Let's roll. So I should give us a little background, though, on Elizabeth Yin. She's the CEO and co-founder of Launchbit. She launched it in July of 2011, and three years and three months later, as her LinkedIn profile points out, she was able to sell it. She did this in Las Vegas, as well as in Cupertino, California. That's interesting that she launched in a city that's not known for startups. And Launchbit is an ad tech platform that enables marketers to get their ads in front of professional audiences in email newsletters and niche blogs on a cost per click basis so it's kind of like creating pay-per-click to get in front of professional audiences an interesting process she looked at something that existed and saw it in a different way Um, she's uh, working with something called the hustle previously called hustle con and i'm going to let everybody else go find her linkedin profile she's going to get bombed right there while people go check that out because that's an interesting name for a company and i'm not going to tell you what it's about and then she came to be a
2: partner at 500 startups one day i hope she'll be a guest on this show as well Oh, she's somebody I would really, really love to meet and chat with. So I, too, was looking at her background. She has a an MBA from Sloan at MIT, and before that, an electrical engineering degree. Now, if that isn't the killer one-two punch in tech, mm-hmm. I don't know what is. Um, and I also understood, as I did the math, that she's probably in her mid-30s. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely
3: so, right. Yeah. Yep, yep. She has a long history of accomplishments as well as education, a varied background, and it brings, I think, a great perspective to her information. So we're going to share some of her blog posts today, some of the highlights of things that she talks about. Certainly, things that resonate with us as well. And we will be putting these links into our Facebook page at facebook.com slash CEO Coach Podcast. Uh, right, and you'll uh, take care of that after the show, you, so everybody I will. can see this stuff. All right, we strongly encourage you to check out Elizabeth Yin, Y-I-N.
2: Okay, so where shall we begin? Well, I think it's really interesting for... This isn't really... Fundraising 101, this is maybe 102, because one of the things she pointed out recently was, what is the difference between angels and seed VCs? You might think mm-hmm. they're the same animal, they fund you know companies in early stages, but in fact, they're very, very different. Um, and here's a hint. It's All about how they are going to make money, not you and your startup, but the angel or VC is going to be compensated and you Mm -hmm. need to understand where that comes from. Yep, I'm right. I always say this, follow the money and you you will have enlightenment,
3: (laughs) little grasshopper. (laughs) That's right. Always follow the money. Find out where it comes from, why it comes, and what's expected of it. So the why and the what's expected of it, critical pieces. And I think Elizabeth does an excellent job in her post that literally is called, what's the difference between angels and seed VCs, as opposed to later stage VCs, right? So angels and seed VCs, she does an excellent job of describing it. And a little context, Uh, Elizabeth puts this in her post as well, and I talk about it a lot too. About five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever, the answers were very clear. Angels use their own money to do it. Write small checks, and they are sole decision makers, or for the most part, sole decision makers. Right? It's their own money. They make the decision, and they write small checks. Pretty clear, right? right. A VC, that's different, right? Again, five, ten years ago, it'd be easy, right? They use third party money. In other words, other people give them boxes of money and say, "Bring me back a larger box of money," with very clear expectations about how much that larger box of money is going to look. Uh, first of all. Startup investment is inherently risky, unbelievably risky. I mean, you want to talk about putting your stuff in FDIC-insured bank accounts and then maybe in CDs and then next into, I don't know, widows and orphans funds, you know, a blue chip stock or bonds, things like that, government bonds. And so you want to do that stuff. And then you keep on getting more and more and more risky. Somewhere, you know, south of junk bonds lies startup investment there's huge risk involved. Almost nobody makes back the money. So what are you going to do with that stuff? It better have a huge amount of return. In other words, again, a VC gets a box of money and is expected to give back a very big box back because there's a lot of risk involved. Okay, they write large checks. And there are multiple decision makers along this way. They have a very concrete process. You're going to go talk to this guy and make a pitch. And if he thinks it's good enough, then it goes to the boss. And then the boss sets some kind of a meeting with the senior partners. And then you show up and the senior partners go through the pitch process. But that is not process. That's the process that you see. The back office process is the one that, you know, this decision making process is the one that Elizabeth is talking about. It's the due diligence process. It's huge. It's huge. Right? They've got to figure out whether you really know what to do with your money. How have you handled it until now? What have you accomplished with it? Do you really understand what lean startup looks like? Or are you just kind of wasting everybody's time and money? Do you have really something that is following a global trend or is it something that is a larger piece of a declining market? Uh, you know, what is it that you're building? Is it in their wheelhouse? Do they know stuff about it? Can they be smart money about it? A thousand questions are going to go on in the back office and I've only touched on about half a dozen. Right. And we haven't really dug into the numbers yet. So,
2: okay. That's the so difference. That, that's been the difference for a long time. Right. Things have changed a little bit, haven't they now? Because I mean, Absolutely. for example, you now have VCs like 500 startups who write small checks and make decisions yes. fast because they uh, only involve a few decision makers in their process. And on the flip side, you have large angel syndicates now that write really big checks so correct
3: so it things that have changed you've touched on right it really is about the size of the check and about the people involved in making the decision. What hasn't changed is the very strong due diligence process. You're going to go through that regardless, and you're going to go through it with some angels who are getting much better at that sort of thing, and you're going to go through it with VCs who are getting even better than they have been in the past, right? The more you do something, the better you get at it. So the industry has been around a long time. We certainly have a lot of ability to track metrics and understand what happens and what doesn't. We talk about that with, is it uh, first round? yeah it talks about the most likely to succeed companies, and they reviewed their own portfolio over a long period of time and they took a look at you know what are the factors that made a difference and we know that they decided really that far and away the biggest factor was is this an idea whose time has come? Are right. you writing that global trend so uh, all of those things come to play, but returning to what has changed is um, that the size of the check can be small in a VC group, it can be larger in an angel group. So the money uh, portion of this, if you will, is beginning to melt.
2: So we just have a minute left. And what I really would like to get into is what Elizabethan talks about. And we're going to do this in the second segment about what really matters to your angel or your VC, and it's not what you think. Yes, the due diligence matters, but there is another really key component that means it is in every startup's best interest to understand which kind of firm they're dealing with before they go out on the fundraising circuit. So this is Anne Kennedy with Jillian Music. This is CEO Coach, and we'll be right back.
1: More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. At the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investments. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com
0: Are you paying too much for your paid advertising or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at WMETraining.com.
1: We're back with Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on Cranberry Radio.
2: Welcome back to CEO Coach. This is Ann Kennedy. I'm with Jillian Music, and today we're talking about funding and, in particular, some new methods and secrets we've picked up from reading Elizabeth Yin of 500 Startups. So, Jillian, I did a little pitch before the break about. The real thing that VCs start up, think about when they get to funding a mm-hmm. startup and what it has to do with is where are they going to get their money? And I don't, right. I, don't, I don't mean the funding money. I mean, mm-hmm. where are they going to make more money? What is the best investment for them of their funds? And it's different between angels and VCs. Absolutely. And
3: again, Elizabeth does a brilliant job of explaining how this works. She, she says, suppose we create a VC firm. It's called Hippo Fund. I love the name, by the way, Hippo Fund. So whether it's a micro fund or not, she says she's going to have to raise money from third party investors, limited partners. She has to convince them that Hippo Fund is going to make them a whole lot of money. Right? And that means a lot. Right, We just talked about that. The huge amount of risk means you would better make a whole lot back. And if you're going to put your money down, you better be fairly certain that this is where you want to put it. Right? Because you could be, uh, as Elizabeth says, you know, uh, investing in New York real estate. You could be investing in real estate anywhere. You could be investing in stocks, bonds, mutual funds. You could be investing in REITs. You can do anything with your money. You don't want to throw it away. If you're going to take on this kind of high risk, she's absolutely right. You better make a lot of money. Okay? So now I think we've beaten that into the ground a whole lot. But moving on from that, the decision is not whether investing in HIPPO fund is going to be profitable. It's about whether it's the best investment for your money. Indeed. Okay, very different kind of question and answer than we're about to explain here. So let's start with this HIPPO fund. You have convinced some people they're going to put down their money, and then you're going to have to make some big bets, right? You want to be the next unicorn. They have to be as big as, you know, Facebook and Google and so on and so forth, right? So if you're looking for that, you have to make very big bets. And then, uh, you know, as Elizabeth says, these entrepreneurs complain that, you know, VCs seem to be making stupid investment decisions. They pass on what appear to be profitable growing businesses or even the reasonable, you know, return that's potentially there. All you have to do is X, you will get to Y, right? And then they make big bets on things that make you wonder what the hell they're smoking,
2: yeah right? so many times <laughs> absolutely but that's where the big
3: opportunities come from right that is where the big potential is if you're going to shoot for the stars then you'd better make some crazy bets because it changes the way the world operates really you're going to go and invest in a company that's going to organize pages of an internet thing uh these, these tubes the internet what what are the tubes i don't know really how did that look in ninety-five, six, seven, eight, nine. How did that look? It looked like, are you nuts? This thing is a flash in the pan. There's no way anybody's going to use this stuff. Certainly, major business wasn't using it. Enterprise, commerce, and so on wasn't happening. Right? The only things that were out there were, you know, porn, pills, and casinos. <laughs> yeah. Just right. And really, you think this is going to be a good idea? But yeah, it was a good idea. Yeah. And then you're going to invest in something about, I don't know, people. You know, kids in college communicating. Who the heck cares, you know, whether they had a tuna sandwich? You know? And then it went on and on and on. You can see how all of these things go, one to the next. These are crazy investments, okay? So understanding that, they make, if you will, a lot of these crazy investments, nine out of ten of them are going to fail. Literally, that's the, the ratio. Only 10% will come up with anything, and it has to come up with a fortune to make up for the losses that you've spent elsewhere. Now, if you're playing with millions or hundreds of millions, you figure that out pretty quickly, right? If you have only one win at 10% of your companies, right, one in 10 is going to be great. The other 10 million a pop that you put down or 20 million a pop that you put down times nine has to be made up by the other one, but that other one's going to hit a billion. Eh,
2: You don't care. It's chump change. And that just sounds so counterintuitive. Anybody calling a billion chump change, but in fact, that is how the numbers pencil out or Excel yeah. spreadsheet out. That's how it works. Right. As Elizabeth says, we need our winning companies
3: to be returning 100x to
2: 1,000x. So this means Huge. if, if uh, as she points out, if we walk into a VC office and say, oh, we're going to make you 10x, that's not going to work.
3: No, it, they're really after the, hundred, uh, the 100 to 1,000. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't walk in and say that. What you might want to say is, look, we are a solid 10 to 20x company, and we have a shot at the stars. We have a shot at that 100 to 1,000x, and this is what our shot looks like. But at least you know you're not going to lose it on us. We're going to bring you back this and something, and it's fine. We could be one of your 90%. We recognize that. But that's a really good argument. Can I give you some stability on this one? At least you won't have lost the whole damn thing. You're going to get something back out of it. But the other ones, if we are that one, we have a shot at it, and we're one of your players, but we ha- kind of have a floor on us. It's like making a covered, you know, hedge bet there. Okay. okay.
2: Suppose now we say HIPPO Fund is not a VC firm we're an angel investor we call ourselves hippo okay
3: you can call it hippo i think in elizabeth article she said we're going to create angel list syndicate right there and, you and go that's the way she's put it together right yeah. so she gets a bunch of rich friends and they're going to back this syndicate and for every deal that you do as an angel you just share it with your friends and you say well you want to play or not That's a little bit of what you and I do, Anne. It sure is. We get in, we mentor deeply in exchange for equity at idea stage companies. On occasion, we will put down capital investment. But mostly, we bring together a syndicate of people where we say, hey, you want to play? It's just a group of friends. We don't even have a name or an organization around it. We have no legal
2: filings. We just call our friends and say, hey, guys, you want to play? This one's really cool. Although I'm really intrigued with the idea of a hippopotamus with angel wings. Uh, Um, we might have to do that. Yeah.
3: (laughs) We'll talk about that offline, shall we? Yeah. Okay. We'll be back, folks, when we figure that one out. In the meantime, this angel syndicate is literally just calling your rich friends, getting them to put in their money if they so desire. And that's the critical difference. So if you do that, then you have kind of, I have more money that I can invest in one place, right? I'm going to say, oh, I can put down only, I don't know, hundred grand, but I've got other friends and they can put down 250 or 500 or a million bucks or whatever. Now we all get in together and say, yeah, let's all put our money in here. This is great. Now we've suddenly got maybe a million and a half or two or five or 10 million, depending on the wealth of the folks who are putting together this syndicate. Okay. So if you do that, then you sound much more like a VC in terms of the volume of money. But here's the killer difference. Everybody gets to invest in whatever the hell they want. And again, Elizabeth does this so elegantly. She says, you know, you can invest in things because you like the color of their logo. You can like it because you think it's a cool market or you know something about it or you like to travel or you want to play golf or whatever the heck your reason is. It is no longer that you have received money and have a fiduciary responsibility to return a larger box of money. Now, everybody's taking their own bets and when I put in say my million bucks because I'm a rich guy and I've got lots of rich friends I've put in a million bucks and so have they we look like a venture capitalist heck we just funded five ten million bucks worth right but we're looking at it differently right if I've got ten companies in my portfolio and I put a million bucks in each of them right nine of them fail and the winner makes me 20 million bucks I'm still okay with that not so if you're putting it together as a venture capitalist, right? Very different. Figure out where the money's coming from, what the motivators are, and what the likelihood is of your being able to be funded by a particular kind of group.
2: Indeed. And I think it turns on the way the money is divided up over the group, whether it's the angel list group or the hippo fund makes a difference because the fund manager... Typically gets I don't know twenty percent. That is Elizabethan. So the twenty percent of what is made minus how much fails, another how much upside there is. That's correct. uh, Can vary very much in the actual dollar amounts that come out Mm -hmm. when you do that, and to the individual fund manager. So that will have a huge impact on what they what a decision might be made towards your company. So we need to take a break now, and we're going to come back and sum this up and see what learnings we can pull out for our listeners about why it is important to understand uh, the difference between angels and seed VCs. So this is Ann Kennedy at CEO Coach, and we'll be right back.
1: More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this.
4: Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at Development.com. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be.
1: We're back with Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on Cranberry Radio.
2: Welcome back to CEO Coach. This is Ann Kennedy, and I'm here with Jillian Music, and we're talking about funding, and specifically the difference between angels and seed VCs. So, Jillian, what do you think we've learned from Elizabethan today? Um
3: Well, I I think that we've learned a number of things about the differences between angels and VCs, how they meld and flow over each other. And the major difference really is about following that money. So rather than giving the usual three tips that we give at the end of our show, you know, do this about what we've just learned, I'd like to follow that money in this last segment. And quite literally from Elizabeth's information here, right? That's a great idea. Right. As you keep saying, it's important to follow the money. Let's see how these fund managers are incentivized. That would be the venture capital kind, right? So again, it's, as you said, 20% of the upside of the entire portfolio is what a venture capitalist will get. All right. So again, if you've got that $10 million fund, 10 companies, 1 million each, nine of them fail, and the winner gets 20 million, right? The upside as a fund manager is roughly 20 million minus the 10 million times 20% or 2 million bucks. Okay, so the fund manager got two million bucks.
2: Hey, now, that, that would make me
3: I've, happy. There you go, right? So you would be making those crazy decisions too. You go, I only have to be right ten percent of the time, and one of these guys, boom, it's going to get me what I need. Right, Is not it? bad. All right. So, and that assumes, of course, no management fees. But you know, sometimes there that too. At this point, we'll keep it simple. Now. It looks different if you're running an angel list syndicate. You assume the same situation with the 10 deals, right? I get 20% of the upside, but it's per deal, not per portfolio, since my backers decide for themselves, you know, which deals they want to be part of. So we just all hop in. Every deal is a completely separate thing. You could think of it almost like you have a separate new company. It's like, oh, brand new idea. Let's go invest in this. So you and a group of friends go and invest in this company. And then you go to that company and you invest again. Each one is distinct and different. They are not combined. As a result, I look at one winner and it makes me 20 million bucks and I get 20 million minus the 1 million invested in that deal. And then 20%,
2: 3.8 million because 20% of it was my investment. It's almost twice as much. Yes, Oh, that sounds much nicer. Exactly. But... There are pros and cons to each process.
3: There are volumes of money that make it worthwhile for this or that, right? Whatever. Remember that any decision you might make as an angel investor still might or might not make, you know, what you're looking for. But you can make decisions based on different criteria. And that, I think, is the crux of what you and I talk about so often. Are people asking the right questions as investors? And depending on which investor you are, The questions are different. At our stage, we are far more like angel investors than we are like venture capitalists. We don't look for companies that simply are going to shoot for the stars and nothing else. We look for companies that have that floor. We'll give you a solid return on investment, a shot at the stars. Right? but we are building better ways to live and work together. And in that phrase that is the byline of Outlines Venture Group, better ways to live and work together, we find a stability that says this company is going to survive and thrive and help others to do the same in the future years of the existence of humans on the planet. This is not just about a particular economy or a particular industry, but this is good for the community in which it sits. And in that, we know that it's a thrivable company. Some thing will come back. And in another show, we'll talk about different ways to get your money back out of such companies. I think that it's really important to think maybe it isn't just about if it goes public, if it makes a billion dollars, if it gets sold to somebody else for 25, 50, 100x. That isn't the whole question. Perhaps we should be looking at taking money out of our investments in different ways that help that company to thrive and let that company essentially return the capital so that we can go do it again. And with that, I think we should wrap up with this idea that knowing the difference between a venture capitalist and an angel investor is critical. If you follow the money backwards, you'll find out what the motivators are and it will help you pitch better.
2: And Jillian, that said, you just said the magic word pitch and it seems to me we have barely scratched the surface of what can be said about pitching and how to follow up with uh, funding prospects that reject you. So I propose that we do another program following on this one and about these other topics. What do you think? Absolutely. Let's talk about how, what to pitch and how to
3: pitch and to whom and what to do when you get rejected because you're going to hear that
2: an awful lot. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so watch this space. I think, Jillian, that's it. For this Monday at CEO Coach, we are unfortunately out of time. We'd like to thank our producers at Cranberry Radio for their support. You can download these shows at cranberry.fm forward slash CEO dash coach, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and many other places around the web. You can find links and more on facebook.com forward slash CEO coach podcast. We'd love it if you'd stop by and hit the like button so we know you were there. And you know what? You can tell us what you'd like to see or hear more about on CEO coach. So Jillian, thanks for being here today. It's a pleasure as always. And to our listeners, I would say thanks for joining us. I'm Ann Kennedy got Jillian Music here, and you can find out more about how we help companies launch, grow, pivot, and thrive at outlinesventure.com. Till next week.
1: The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward.